Hello and welcome to Rusted Metal, where I get flack for discussing 80s metal. I'm your host, Zerb, and with me tonight is my very good buddy, Flack. How you doing, Flag? I'm doing good, man. We just uh, had our first uh, tornado. Uh, I guess tornado season just started like three I hours ago. <laughs> I love that new window behind you there where I can see the neighbor's yard. Oh, you know what? I have uh, friends on Facebook. Uh, in fact, one just posted that uh, that they got their window busted out. Uh, I have some oh, friends yeah. posting uh, baseball-sized hail. Which is pretty impressive uh, when yeah. you see that in someone's hand, you know. So, I mean, the, the good thing about uh, tornadoes around here in the Midwest is they have, you know, millions, if not billions of dollars worth of technology. It's like guys with um, their toys, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's a hot rod or guns or whatever it is that people are into they're just dying to show it off they're dying to use it you know what i mean and so they have this uh you know doppler radar and their helicopters and all this stuff and then you know if there's a chance of tornado boy they rally and and so so they they give everybody lots of warning but when it comes it's still uh still pretty exciting yeah, you you put some pictures up in the Voxer conversation I saw earlier, and it did not look pretty. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. Um, we were we were out eating, and uh, the sky just turned this really dark orange, and and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, and I knew it was time to time to get out. And by the time we got to the car, the car was rocking back and forth, uh, and it wasn't from the Mexican food; it was it was from the storm <laughs> that had blown in it, and. Uh, I thought it was raining at first, but it was blowing like little rocks and dust and stuff, you know, oh, up against God. the car. So then we just hightailed it back home and uh, hunkered Everybody's down. safe. And, yep. Oh, yeah. Just get in front of the TV and, and watch the weather guys do their stuff. Man. Well, you just came back from another whirlwind. Would you would you like to discuss that and also talk about the, the very special person that you've got to stand next to? I did. We... Um, Last week was the kids' spring break, and so um, my wife and I both work for the government, and we take trips to Washington, D.C. all the time. I've been to Washington, D.C., I don't know, not, I've probably been a dozen times. My wife goes right now, she goes one week a month to I've been D.C. there once, once for 43 years. <laughs> well, that's pretty, that's that's pretty good stint. Yeah. But, so uh, for spring break, we were like, "Where do you, where should we go for spring break?" And my wife says, "We should go to DC." I'm like, "Are you kidding? Like we we, we we've been there so many times." But her point was. Uh, is that, you know, we go, but we don't get to see the sites. We don't get to go yeah. to the museums. We don't get to do those things. Uh, and so that was that was her idea. So we uh, loaded up the kids. We drove. We actually did a detour. You know, I um, my goal, I've had a goal for a few years now to visit all 50 states. Mm-hmm. And I'm at 45. And, That's awesome. And one of the, well, I, and based on we've got a trip planned this summer and a plip, a trip planned this winter so with that 
uh, the winter one will get me my 50th state. Congratulations. Yeah. So, um, but one of the ones that, that was on the list was Kentucky. And, you know, there are some states, especially when you go up to the Northeast, you know this, that uh, like when you go to D.C., you're going to be in Maryland. You're going to be, you know, depending on where you go, you may end up in Delaware. You may end up uh, West Virginia, you know. Right. So I've been to a lot of those states, but didn't. But now when I go there, I try to do something, you know, either related to the state or something memorable, you know. So so right. we had this this route took us through Kentucky, but I wanted to do something, you know, related. So we ended up doing the tour at the Churchill Downs. What is the Churchill Downs? That's the uh, the um, horse racing, the derby racing. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so we went to do that, and then we also went to the Louisville Slugger factory oh, and museum, which was really cool. It was, I mean, I'm not really a baseball guy, but, uh, yeah, but that's, you know, that's American history, right? Exactly. There. You know, so that was cool. Uh, and then we went up to DC and, and went to, uh, you know, a million different uh, museums <laughs> and I saw the pictures of the natural history. And I think you, you did the air and space and we did air and space. We were in a hotel that was actually, uh, maybe, Oh, a couple of blocks from there. So yeah. we walked to uh, most of those, yeah. uh, Air and Space and, and Natural History Museum and the American History Museum, and we mm-hmm. went to the Spy Museum. Um, yeah, so we, so we did lots of museums. We actually took another mini road trip and went to the official Three Stooges Museum, which is in <laughs> Pennsylvania, and that was awesome. – uh, saw those that was, pictures. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of that week, uh, Susan and the kids – they headed back home, and I continued another eight hours uh, northwest of there right. to just outside Buffalo, New York, where I got to meet uh, our buddy Sean, who we do uh, throwback reviews with. And, and explain, I wanted you to explain the first second that door opened up and there he was. Because hmm. I've been there before. I've told you I've met an online friend like that before, and it's amazing. But what was that like for you? I you know we do um, like when we record this show and throwback reviews and stuff we do uh, Google Hangouts so we could see each other and you know their face and you know so it wasn't uh, quite as sh- shocking as like uh, you know in the old days where you would maybe only talk to somebody on the phone right or, or right. do something like that so you know I I knew basically what to expect or whatever he was taller than I thought he's taller mm-hmm. than me. Um, and um, but he he lives in a, a town, a small town just outside of Buffalo, and you know you, we've done all these shows uh, where we've talked about you know he tells me about like where he works and and uh, you know he's he's sent me uh, voicemails or you know we use Voxer mm-hmm. uh, about like when he's driving to work and he and he drives along the the Niagara River and stuff and so you know we spent some time driving around town and so he's pointing out all these places so it was really cool to see. To see that stuff, you know, like yeah. the, the things that you've talked about. And, and uh, of course, on Throwback Reviews, you know, we do a lot of retro topics and stuff. And we did one about the neighborhoods we grew up in. And mm-hmm. uh, and all these places are, like, really close to one another. So we drove by his childhood house and, uh, uh, you know, and, and all these things. So it was really fun to uh, – That is cool. Yeah, to go through and see all the stuff. And then, of course, you know, if you're it, – it's funny because he's – He's from New York, but it's not New York City. You know, most people just think of New York City if you say you're from New York. Yeah. Uh, and, and Buffalo is totally different. But uh, just like New York City, uh, they are proud of their food. So 
I was uh, at Sean's house basically for a day and a half, and we ate um, New York pizza. Eight days worth of food. New York wings. Yeah. New York hot dogs. Oh, yeah. Those have got to be big. New York uh, donuts. Um, what else? Oh, and then there's a Mexican place uh, near his house called Mighty Taco, which Mighty Taco. I thought was just a great name. I like that name. And so I even, um, my wife, uh, when, when I posted that, she said, you have to get me a t-shirt and they actually do have merchandise or whatever. So now she has a t-shirt that says Mighty Taco. I don't know <laughs> why she cape and you're set for life. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but no, we had a, we had a great time and, um, uh, it, it wasn't really like meeting somebody brand new because we've talked so much, you know what I mean? Right. So, so, um, a lot of times when you meet somebody like that, there's those awkward silences or you feel like you have to entertain the whole time. And it wasn't, it wasn't like that. We just had a good time. Uh, That's cool. Ha- hanging out. Yeah. He's got, uh, uh the basement of his house kind of set up like a entertainment, you know, there's a bar down there and a, a, a big TV yeah. Dutch's bar. Yeah. And there's a, yep. a, a dart board and stuff. So we, we just, uh, uh, hung out down there, you know, and, and, yeah. um, uh, got to meet his kids and his wife and everything. And, and, um, you know, his wife, um, I don't know if you've seen, you've seen, uh, Mealy monster land. Oh Yes. Oh, she yeah. does. I'm a, she, I'm a big fan of the page and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does. Uh, we should put that in the show notes or something. She does all these sculptures of like little monsters and and uh, you know sometimes they're holiday like theme related and stuff. And her right. her little workshop area is downstairs, so I got to kind of poke my head in there. We stood in there for a few minutes, and you get to see like or, she's just sitting there talking, you know, and you look and she's. You know, sculpting this little monster thing that looks amazing. And I'm like, I'd have to focus on this with like every brain cell I have left. And it still would not look this good, you know. I figure I figure it would be like being on the set of a Tim Burton movie or something <laughs> of that nature, you know. It, it Just, was, uh, yeah, she had some uh, hor- like horror uh, pictures. She's a big fan of Night of the Comet. Uh, yeah. The, the classic 80s movie. She had an autograph. I love that movie picture of that and so yeah that was really uh kind of like you know peeking into the workshop and seeing how all that stuff goes so it, it was we had a great time and then the, the the worst part is now being you know 1300 miles from home yeah <laughs> and in a car and now it's time to drive but i i will <laughs> tell you this i um i do this on a lot of my road trips I load my phone. I use my phone, you know, as like the music source. We used to remember when we were younger, we you would take your suitcase of, of CDs or before that your briefcase of cassettes, you know, <laughs> and set off across country. And now it's just my phone, you know. So whatever music's on my phone. And, and I mean, I, I think when I plug it in, it says you have like 5,000 songs or whatever. So I didn't hear all my music the no. whole the whole trip, you know. But – I, I do this every time. Like there were several albums that I've been wanting to listen to, like um, uh, the new Slipknot album. Uh, mm-hmm. The new um, there's a, um, I think it's uh, it's Max. I think it's Cavalera. It's Cavalera Conspiracy. I don't know. It's Max Cavalera from Sepultura, but he, oh, okay. he, their new album. You know, and I put all these new albums on there, and you start driving and. You know, about two or three songs in, I'm like, I can't sing to this. I mean, it's like, because it's music I don't know. And so I go right back to 
the stuff that we talk about on this show. I go right back to my Anthrax and my Allison Chains and um, you know the old Metallica stuff and just the comfort music, the ones that you know every drum beat to, every guitar oh, yeah. lick, every. I'm I'm worried about on my wife's uh, car. There's a, a spot uh, in the center console. There's a, a little flap that opens up to the right. Mm-hmm. And the way it sits, it is exactly, it feels exactly like the top of my guitar. And it is the perfect fake guitar strumming area. You know what I mean? Like with your, your thumb. Your air, your guitar air guitar. It's your air guitar. Well, of course, your other, it's not really air guitar. It's like steering wheel guitar because your oh, other hey. hand is on the steering wheel and you're doing chords and pulling <laughs> off solos. So if I ever, you know, like I get... Um, uh, I, I'm in the crowd, and you know Metallica. James gets burned again by some horrible pyrotechnic accident, and they're like, right. "We need somebody to come on stage, and we need somebody to play Seek and Destroy." And all we You're have prepared. is this weird guitar that's shaped like a steering wheel. <laughs> It'll be like, I, I, "I know how to do that. I can. T- I'm your guy. Drag me up there. I will totally do this." So I I feel like I'm preparing for something that's most likely I'm going to I'm not you never want to say 100% not going to happen like there's not a 0% chance um but I don't know that anyone's invented the steering wheel guitar yet someone will it, just like uh, me cuz I I I am a pro mattress drummer when I'm going to sleep oh and I can, okay I can pull off Megadeth songs in my head Anthrax songs and all that stuff and I figure one day the same thing will happen probably in the same concert be like also lars is out and we need somebody who can play the mattress <laughs> right we have a mattress up here we have a mattress it. up here mike's ready to go it's a serta it's ready to go it's got memory foam but yeah but yeah I, I, I don't know I, I do that um you know you you think before you leave on the trip you're like i'm gonna want to listen to some new stuff some things i haven't heard before and and um I don't know what the difference is. I I don't know. I don't think it's music today as much as I just feel like, like when I was younger, like I can remember just buying an album, like going down to sound warehouse or CD warehouse or any of these places Mm -hmm. and buying a CD or a cassette and coming home and just laying on my bed with headphones on and opening it up and reading the lyrics, you know, and spending an hour with that album or you know, multiple hours or doing my homework, you know, with uh, these cassettes going. And um, obviously they've made permanent impressions in my brain. You know, um, we're going to get to uh, uh, this week's uh, performer. And when I, Mm. uh, I went through it and threw on like one of the greatest hits albums and it's like, I know every nuance, like every little, you know, guitar, little, bend you know every extra little drum hi-hat that's you know a little cymbal crash that's here or there it's like you know every one of those and yet my my wife and my daughter's birthdays are two days apart and i constantly get them mixed up which is which you know it just seems (laughs) ridiculous that i would know hi-hat from a song i heard 30 years ago and not know that you made the point just a second ago by saying that you went down to the store and you picked up that record or that cassette and it's you just basically invested time into making that album or cassette part of you because you've read every ounce of the production who mixed it who wrote it the thank yous the 
I would like to thank, you know, every band member had that section on the back of the cassette record. And, and it became part of your musical family. And, and that's why it's just something that chalked a mark onto you as you grew and you grew with the album. And yeah, it but, became a moment in time for you. But the way you said it, it's like I invested more in listening to Master of Puppets than I did in my daughter. So Unfortunately, <laughs> it's, it seems to be that. Just when it came out to when was Master of Puppets released and when was your daughter released. Right. <laughs> but if I, if I had to choose which one I want to listen to in a car for eight hours, it's, <laughs> we're, we're kicking seen? it off with battery. Yeah. <laughs> Master of Puppets. Oh, and, gosh. There was an article speaking of recently about, uh, I forgot where I read it. Maybe it was on the wonderful source of Facebook news where Lars is responsible for cutting out some of the bass. You're smiling. I think you know what I'm talking about. I read this story. This is Injustice um, for All. Yeah. And, and you know, golly, I mean, that, that, I mean, it's, it's been legendary the, the amount of hazing that they they gave to Jason Newstead which I never understood you know um it's hard mm-hmm. enough i was just having this uh discussion uh, with my kids and it's hard enough when you know Jason didn't choose for uh, Cliff to get killed and obviously no. it was an accident and the band you know talked about it whether they were going to break up they were going to try to get somebody you know i don't know that you could ever really replace Cliff Burton but you know, they bring Jason in and they do uh, Garage Days, which is one of my favorite Metallica albums. Same here. Those, yeah. I love those songs. I know they're all cover songs and stuff. Um, and I've listened to the originals to all those. And, and honestly, I prefer the Metallica version, I think, in almost yes. every case. Same here. Um, but uh, so to, to harass that person that already feels awkward to come in there, I just never understood that. And so, yeah, the article you're referring to, basically it was – uh, that the uh, producer, the sound engineer, saying that Lars had come in and, and, you know, taken over all the knob twiddling and cranked the drums up and turned the bass. You know, he said, turn the bass down to where you can't hear it and then turn it down 5 dB from there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's it's just, I don't understand it. And if you've ever, um, if you want to hear a great album, Go out to YouTube. It's on YouTube. You can download it from there. Uh, and, and you can find it from other places, you know, as well. But if, if you're just looking to hear it. Uh, and there is a remix of that album called And Justice for Jason. And it awesome. is <laughs> it is And Justice for All with, I don't know where. The, now, I, I heard um, there was, you know, uh, I don't know if it was from Guitar Hero or there, but there was, you know, because they have to put all the tracks in Guitar Hero. And so it might have been where they got the bass track from. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think it's from the original. Uh, I mean, it is Jason's performance, but I don't, I mean, it, you couldn't, there's so much detail and clarity. You couldn't have got it from the original uh, Injustice Man. for All, unless you had access to, yeah, to the master, master recording. I actually wrote like that, that down and justice for Jason because I do want to check that out. It is, it is, and and the songs don't sound right, you know, because right. uh, and, it has and, bass, <laughs> right? Well, they just it sounds different, right? And Jason, uh, you know, like a lot of people, I, I feel the same way about um, Dave Mustaine. You know, mm-hmm. Dave Mustaine was mad about getting kicked out of Metallica for thirty years. They and after a psychiatrist to fix that. Yes. And then eventually, you know. you know, and they cried it out or whatever. And then 
I, I never saw those two bands as really being competing, you know? I mean, Dave Mustaine no, they was were the, two separate entities by that Yeah. Point. I mean, he was definitely the epitome of um, not thrash, but thrash metal, you know, yeah. if, if you make that. Uh, and I know that's a pretty slight distinction to make, but, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I mean, his thing was playing, you know, 90 miles an hour the whole time. I mean, all his solos, all his, you know, uh, it was just different, a different feel than Metallica. So I never thought they were in the same space, uh, you know, per se, but, uh, but he just had, you know, he's so mad about that. And then finally he just kind of came to terms with it. You know, like you said, uh, I forgot, it was it some kind of monster or one of the, uh, yep. Some kind of monster. (laughs) Yeah. The the Metallica documentary, the general hospital of, Metallica. Oh God, wasn't that terrible? Wasn't that terrible? Yeah, it was. Uh, I I don't want to see my, and and not that Metallica is an idol of mine, but I don't want to see grown men crying that are supposed to be playing music. You know what I mean? Especially that type of music. You you know, you don't want to see that. You know, I remember when, um, John Wayne was sick. Remember that? Like, and then they like wheeled him out in a wheelchair or something. I'm like, God, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see um, Richard Pryor shaking in a wheelchair where I can't, you know, I mean, I, I want to remember those people in their prime, you yeah. know, I mean, I want to remember them the way that, that they were, you know, when they made impressions on me or whatever, which I know is, is going on a big tangent, but <laughs> we're, we're never going to get this, this episode back on track. But the whole point of that was, um, I thought Jason took the high road, and I think he has for a while. Yeah, uh, where you know he basically said part of it was his fault because he was just mimicking the guitar tracks, mm-hmm. uh, and so it would just kind of made a muddy mix, and so it was best for the album. Now, if you go listen to Injustice for Jason, I don't think that's the case. I yeah. think he's just saying that to put it to rest and move on, you know, because you know I don't know as, as the public we think Jason Newstead basis of Metallica, but the guy's obviously gone on and done other things, you know, but whenever people interview him, that's what they want to talk about. That's the yeah. same questions. Another great example is, um, Dave Lombardo, uh, the drummer from Slayer who, you know, they've had their ups and downs. He was in and out and then, um, they had the contract thing and now he's out and apparently he's permanently out. He's been replaced. And, you know, he's like, I'm moving on with my life. I'm making a new band. I'm doing this stuff, you know. And then the, every interview, the first question, well, what do you think yeah. about this as Slayer? What do you think about that? And so people are like, all he does is talk about Slayer, but it's not his fault. That's all. Because if you're, obviously, they don't interview me about Slayer. No. You know, <laughs> and here's a guy in Oklahoma who lives in Tornado Alley about Slayer, you know. So obviously the guy has the tie to Slayer, and that's what people want to know about. They don't care about his new band. I mean, Same thing happened to Mike Portnoy when uh, yes. he booted, booted from uh, Dream Theater, and even today he still gets it. And it drives him crazy. And uh, But Mike Mangini, who replaced him, they never ask him a thing. They what right. do you think about the past drummer that was sitting here? Does that ever bother you that you have to play his songs? You know, yeah. none of that ever happened. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing happened to uh, the guys at Queensryche, but fortunately they're all still in Queensryche. They're just <laughs> different, different Queensryche somehow. I don't understand that. But Well, anyway, what has been going on now that I've tied up the first 20 minutes of the podcast? What, uh, what has been going on with you? Well, I have been working on a... How to explain it? It's an alter ego type of band, I guess you would call it. 
It's a, a band that was called Ratanabrez back in 2000, and it's something a pro, another project that I've been working on. Um, I had just finished an album called Zerbatron Winter Memories, which has nothing to do with metal at all, but you can go download it if you wish at zerbatron.bandcamp.com. It's kind of 80s. It's a little bit heavier than the previous album. Ratanabrez is an alter ego kind of band where there's three band mem- members in it first one's rot second one was tan and ebrez was the third gentleman in it but actually it was just a bunch of my friends who got together and we created this fake heavy metal band and we would go out and play in wigs and and tie up jack's nightclub for a night playing stupid heavy metal songs with my stepbrother playing bass and buddy of mine clyde playing drums and we would play uh these songs that i wrote for this particular album my friend john sang an 80s lyrics um, making fun of every single hair band we could think of with all kinds of funny noises. Everything. So these were all uh, original songs? They were original songs, but they yeah. were. Uh, there was a couple of covers. We did The Simpsons and we did uh, Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> originally performed. Who, who did Frankenstein first? Now I forgot. Alice Cooper? That one? Da, oh, that's me, my Frankenstein. Oh, you're the Edgar Winter. Edgar Winter Group. Yeah. Did it first. So so we did that in 2000. So a friend of mine asked me if I would be interested in doing that again. He's like, you should bring back Rotanabras. And I was like, hmm. I was like, I don't know. And I was, I was thinking about it. I sent an email to my buddy who, anything I record metal, I run by because he is my, you know, heavy, Tommy Sims is my heavy metal guru. <laughs> and vice versa, I think. He and I collaborate whenever we can. And uh, I still haven't heard a response. I can picture him sitting there going, hmm, oh, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go for it. So Christopher Tupa, who you can find at ctupa.com, uh, already painted the, the cover for the album, which we're trying to have finished by June, July-ish. And uh, I've already extended an offer to you to help me out with it. I'm, I'm in it to win it. Let's and do it. Thank you so much, because... For all out there in the rusted metal community, you're in the midst of a vocal god, and that is Rob Flack. I I think you might be overselling that. (laughs) I've heard you sing. You've you've sang some songs in your past, and they came out really good. So the lead singer for some of the songs on the album, because you know a majority will be instrumental, of course. Well, we'll see how that. Well, there will be many takes of that. (laughs) And uh, you're saying alternate versions? (laughs) I, uh, you know, on this road trip, when I go on on trips with my family, like when they ride along, Mm -hmm. everybody's like, the music's too loud. I don't like that. I don't, you know, and the my favorite thing is getting in the car, cranking it up to 11, and just singing the top. And I mean, to the point where when when we left, when I left uh, Sean's house, I had. Oh, I think about 10 bottled waters left. And <laughs> I I didn't even make it. I mean, I probably made it 3 or 4 hours and I'm going through them because my throat is just raw. <laughs> I'm sc- <laughs> I mean, I'm screaming uh Stone Temple Pilots, you know, and um uh Soundgarden and just that. You know, there's certain bands that uh are in my range. Yeah. And it's really it's mostly and not to not don't want to pick on those two bands. They're definitely not Soundgarden, but <laughs> for the most part, it's bands that don't have a whole lot of talent. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like um, I mean, just guys that are screaming. You know, like uh, 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example, like MOD or something like that. Right. You know, we're just guys that are yelling. I'm like, hey, I could yell. Let's all yell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all yell together. Right. Some people then, call that rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, uh, I usually call it work, but we. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, and I, if I can hear myself, I just turn the stereo up louder and louder till I can't hear myself anymore. And I'm like, look how great I sound. <laughs> uh, so we may, you may, um, once the stereo has been turned down and, and there's just my vocal track left, you might not uh, have the same opinion of the vocals. So I should choose the option of retraction possibly in the future. <laughs> you're like, you're and suddenly they are all instrumental. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, what do you say we talk about tonight's band? Let's get to today. Who is tonight's band? Tonight's band is a single solitary gentleman who I think changed the shape of bridging heavy metal and 80s rock and roll slash 80s pop. And that is Mr. Billy Idol. Woo! Yes, Mr. Billy Idol, who was born... Wait, William... I don't want to say woo. I want to say right! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I gotta get get in my Billy Idol uh, sneer <laughs> here. He was born William Michael Albert Broad, and uh, can you imagine if he stuck with that? You know, Will Broad. <laughs> hmm. It doesn't have that ring to it. No, no. Uh, he was born November thirtieth, nineteen fifty-five, making him at the time of this recording fifty-nine years old, and he's still out there wow. touring right now. Uh, Born in Stanmore, Middlesex, England. I'm actually in Connecticut. I'm not too far from Middlesex Hospital. Where there's a connection, we'll find out. His genres are punk rock, hard rock, glam rock, dance rock, new wave. He's in the new wave category. And post-punk. His instruments are vocals, piano, guitar, bass guitar, and drums. So there's nothing he really can't do. And he's been active from 1973 to present. His labels have been Chrysalis Records, EMI, and Sanctuary. And, of course, you can find him at where www.billyidol.net. Band members really haven't... He doesn't have a long list of band members from, from what I've found. I could be wrong, but my one of my ultimate favorite guitarists on the planet, uh, Steve Stevens, played guitar with him from 1981 through 1986 and then 2001 to present. He plays guitar and keyboards. You have Stephen McGrath playing bass guitar and backing vocals 2001 to present. Uh, but Billy Morrison playing rhythm guitar, backing vocals, 2010 to present, and Eric Eldenius. Eldenius, yeah, that's what it looks like. Eldenius, drums, percussion, 2012 to present, and Paul Trudeau, keyboards, 214 to present, which isn't, really isn't that long. From that point on, the, anything from before then, uh, I'm not sure who was in that band with him. I think it was studio musicians. Uh, yeah, there was quite a bit of that. Did you read um, where he got his name, Billy Idol, from? No. He uh, Apparently he had a teacher, uh, when he was a kid, insult him and nicknamed him Billy Idol, calling him I-D-L-E, because he... He didn't, uh, you know, was, yeah, he wasn't doing anything, you know, and so, <laughs> awesome. so it was pretty much a play on that, you know, and and he actually considered calling himself Billy Idol, spelling it I D L E, and uh, there he was afraid there would be some confusion with uh, Eric Idol from Monty Python. Oh yeah, and so it, it kind of got you know almost like a play, like Idol, like he's a rock star and Idol and Billy Idol. So that was uh, kind of a play on the original. You know, so it's like dual dual meaning, I guess. That's awesome. But, I did uh, not know that at all. 
But yeah, he's been Billy Idol for as long, long, long time. He said 1973, which is the year I was born. That is crazy that he has yeah. been uh, recording. And, and uh, we've got the discography here. And even uh, before this started, Billy Idol was in, um, I guess it would just be a straight punk. He would call it Generation X. Mm-hmm. And Generation X, I don't have, I, all I have is a, there's a greatest hits from Generation X and, uh, and I've listened to it. It's not a, not a favorite of mine, but it's definitely just a reflection of that era, you know, the early punk, uh, kind of stuff. And, and some, uh, what did, what do they call it? Like the romantic type movement, you know what I mean? So you could hear yeah. some early, uh, hints of Billy Idol in there. Right. Early pop. Kind of mm. what you would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like um, Sex Pistols kind of punk, and right? Not, no and Sid Vicious kind of. No, punk. no. So a little bit more musical than that. But mm-hmm. um, uh, for the official Billy Idol discography, we start with "Don't Stop," uh, which was an EP from 1981. Then we had Billy Idol is self-titled, which was kind of his introduction, I guess, to the world. Uh, July mm-hmm. of '82, Rebel Yell, which was November of '83. Vital Idol, which I think is the first Billy Idol album, that I, the cassette that I actually owned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that came out in uh, 1985 uh, in the U- – well, there's an international version and a UK version, and then there was a, a new US version uh, in 87. There was Whiplash Smile in September of 86. Really just a release you know, every year, every couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hard-working I- guy. Yeah. Uh, Idle Songs, which was uh, uh, kind of a one of many greatest hits albums released. I don't know if it's through the if he, if he had to do you know doings with this or if it was through the la- the label. I don't know, but he has a lot of greatest hits albums. Yeah. Uh, but we had Idle Songs in '88, uh, Charm Life in 1990, Cyberpunk, which was uh, very you know early on the cyberpunk movement. That was in uh, June of 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, another greatest hits released in March of 2001. Uh, and this is uh, switching from Chrysalis over to Capitol Records. We had the VH1 Storytellers in February of 2002. Devil's Playground. This was another label switch when he got picked up uh, by Sanctuary. And if I'm correct, I think that was only one one album he did with Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had Devil's Playground in 2005. Happy Holidays from Billy Idol in 2006. <laughs> I do not have that album, but I'm going to go track that down. Uh, and then we have, uh, the, I, I can't even imagine, like, Merry Christmas, oi. Oh, go to, I saw some on YouTube, and believe it or not, it's not bad. Yeah. It's really yeah. not bad. There's part he of has a gone. Maybe I should guy. get that album. <laughs> yeah. Then we, again, we have uh, the very best of Billy Idol, Idolize Yourself, in uh, 2008. Uh, and then finally, Kings and Queens of the Underground, which was October 2014, and that was uh, another label change with BFI Records. I'm with you 100 percent on the uh, the same album. I think that was my first one too. It was Vital Idol 1985. Now that I think about it, it's a you great know, album. Vital Idol uh, for me. I mean, it's it's quint. You know, it doesn't have. Uh, it's missing Rebel Yell. Like that yeah. song is not on there, but other than that, I would be happy with that album. I know he's released a lot of things since then. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, it doesn't have uh, "Cradle of Love." That's a later song, you know. Right. Um, so there are a few hits that aren't on it, but honestly, if if I had to pick one album, that's that's the one I, I that's would your starter I would right stick there. with. Yeah. Um, but along with all those albums, uh, he also has a brief uh, filmography. 
Uh, he appeared right. in uh, The Doors. He was Jim Morrison's drinking buddy. Uh, I can't think of his name. Cal or Cav or whatever. I can't think of his name. But um, uh, but in everything I've ever seen him in, he just plays himself, basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> when, it's the same, when, right. same deal. When you see him, you're like, uh, you know, oh, there's Billy Idol. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then he has that great cameo at the end of Beautiful. the wedding singer, you know, on the plane, and and puts everything together, and and uh, that I think that was almost like a a comeback kind of thing for me, you know, like like I hadn't thought of Billy Idol in a long time, it's and like all of a sudden, by the way, <laughs> right, and then you're like, oh, there's Billy Idol, the wedding singer, you know, I I saw that, I actually saw that in a theater, and um, <laughs> I got all excited. I was like, hey, <laughs> there's Billy, that's Billy Idol. <laughs> Goodness. Well, so, how did how did you discover the band? How did you how did you discover Billy? Um, it was definitely through MTV. Um, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, MTV was picking people that had interesting uh, visual aesthetics. You know, in their videos, you have like Duran Duran and of course Michael Jackson and all these people that were uh, using you know bright colors and interesting locations and stuff. And all of a sudden, you've got this guy with bleach blonde hair, this spike, all these spiky wrist things and covered in cheesecloth, <laughs> you know, and, and cheesecloth, right, metal just, God wear. <laughs> and, and of course his eternal, you know, sneer and just punching mm-hmm. into the air. And it's just like this ultimate rebellion thing. So I'm pretty sure it was white wedding was the first video I can remember. Um, but also I, uh, got a cassette, like a boombox, you know, around maybe like 82, 83, something like that. Yeah. And I would go to Walmart and get these KTEL albums, like KTEL's greatest hits, you know, and it'd be these oh, compilations. Yeah. And uh, so I had this one, KTEL's Hot Tracks. It came out in 83. And uh, I have the, the the set list here. There's five songs on each side. Uh, on the side one, you have Maniac from mm-hmm. Michael Sumbello. I mean, these are all just quintessential early 80s. Uh, Sweet Dreams, uh, Human Touch by Rick Springfield, and then White Wedding from Billy Idol and Mr. Roboto. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah my, I sister love, had, my sister yeah. had this album. I love this. Uh, the uh, yeah. if, you, if you look it up on Amazon, there's two extra songs listed on each side, and I don't know what that's. I think that's the vinyl had was uh, had extra tracks or something because mine had only had those five, and then the back side uh, is "King of Pain" by The Police. This time for Brian Adams, mm-hmm. "Rock of Ages" by Def Leppard. Uh, and then uh, just a cl- I love this song, "Mexican Radio" by Wall of Voodoo. Yeah. I used to play that live. That was so uh, easy to do. Yeah, <laughs> I love that song. This always, <laughs> and they loved it. <laughs> Free Bar- beer, barbecued iguana. I love that. <laughs> and uh, promises, promises by Naked Eyes. But anyway, so I had this uh, KTEL album, Hot Tracks. And I just listened to the crap out of this album. I mean, um, there's so many albums, you know this, where you get a few good songs and then the rest is filler. And, you know, you're constantly listening to track one, track two, and then rewind or whatever. I listen to this tape all the time. So I I heard White Wedding from Billy Idol an awful lot. uh, Yeah, I bet. (laughs) During those times. you know, And, of course... uh, there were later videos and stuff on MTV, but um, but yeah, I think those those two things: White Wedding on MTV and and that KTEL album uh, is oh, what got man. me. Well, in. What about you? you? 
well, first, thank you for bringing back Heart Tracks, the uh, <laughs> train on the cover and everything. I haven't seen that in years. And uh, But yes, for me, it was MTV, Dancing With Myself. Oh, and, yeah. And the first time I saw that, I thought, this guy is an idiot. Because he's up there, <laughs> and he's dressed like something out of the Mad Max movies, you know? Right, and, right. And all the zombie ladies and guys are dancing around him, and I thought... The thing that was going through my head at the time, and I remember that vividly, that my dad says, you know, rock and roll is not going to live forever. You know, this stuff is just not going to last. And I'm looking at this, and it's the first time I was like, you know, this this is kind of weird. It's getting a little theatrical for me. Right, right. Until the song got to the part where he's going, sweat, 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 sweat. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sweat, sweat. Oh, man. Sweat, Dad. Me. I'm becoming a punk, <laughs> glam rock, infused freak. And, and I thought, you know... You don't know about sweat, Dad. Like you said, <laughs> right? This is you my generation. Sweat, Dad. Yeah, it's my turn to sweat. But I couldn't stand the song in the beginning, and now I, I love that song. I hear that, and I gotta admit, when I'm playing it by myself, you know, I get a little Molly Ringwald moves going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, a few years ago. Uh, I went on a, I, you know, this is what we do in the summer. We take road trips with the kids. And I think it's when we were in Florida. Mm-hmm. And we go to the Hard Rock Cafe. And we sit down at this booth. And there's this guitar. And it is a guitar that belonged to Steve Stevens. Oh, and I love Steve Stevens. And then it says on there, uh, you know, as performed or whatever. And I, I don't remember. It was one of the videos or whatever. But with Billy Idol. And my kids go crazy. They're like, Billy Idol, no way, you know? And it, um, I want to say it was Rebel Yell, but but they go crazy. And the waitress is like, and then of course, my kids were, were much younger then. I mean, like maybe, right. you know, six and nine or something like that. And she's like, wow, you are really raising your children right. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, you know? And they leave. And then I turn and I'm like, how do you know who Billy Idol is, you know? <laughs> and they knew Billy Idol from Rock Band. Right. Uh I know Rebel Yell. Well, there's, of course, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. I think White Wedding is in Rock Band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was uh, the downloadable stuff, like where you can add on songs. You could get Money Money and Rebel Yell. Uh, mm-hmm. But So it's like a whole new generation of kids, you know, that are being exposed to uh, classic metal and stuff. So, yeah, I, I love that. Isn't that weird to think that those kids think of Billy Idol the way that we think of old metal being Black Sabbath? Oh, isn't that weird? You know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the show. I may have mentioned it on a previous episode, but I, I um, my, my dad was talking to me one time about the Beatles, and I was like, you know, the thing about the Beatles is they're just so far before my time frame. You know, I, this is what I was right. telling him. And, you know, the, the Beatles invasion is, was uh, in 64, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I was born in 73. So, I, you know, give or take a few months. It was basically 10 years before right. I was born, you know. To put that in perspective, my son was born in 2001. So 10 years before him was the grunge invasion. I mean, that's 10 years before him. Nine, September 91, I think it's September 91, uh, is uh, Smells Nirvana? Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. yeah. And then you have uh, Soundgarden that same time. You have Alice in Chains that same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pearl Jam, you know, so the the big four. So that same, the way that I think of Beatles as being 
something from the past, something that's shot in black and white. You know what I mean? In the Ed Sullivan show, that same frame is what Nirvana is to my to my son. I, I'm just completely I, I just mind blowing to me because it, uh, you know I don't want him to think of them as being old, which is why he when will. he goes, I know, but he will. Imagine what, what what does your dad think of Nirvana? Uh, That's a question to ask. He would just punch me in the face if I <laughs> if I turn Nirvana on. He would hit me. Um, when I was nine or ten years old, I asked Santa for a copy of Quiet Riot, Come On, Feel the Noise, which I got. Santa brought me the 45. And so nice. when, we, when we were done opening all our gifts, my dad says, you better put that record on so we can hear it. And I put it on. And my parents would have the same look on their face if I had pulled the dog in from outside and just eviscerated it in front of the whole family, like cut it from head to toe, <laughs> splayed it out, and pulled all the organs out and hung them on the tree. <laughs> the exact same look. And then when it was done and you have that little sound, like, <laughs> like hitting the, the needle at the end, and my dad said, I don't ever want to hear that song again. <laughs> That's his exact. They word. lasted through the entire song, though. That was they good. sat there just with this look right of direction. horror <laughs> on their face, you know. And um, every now and then, my uh, my dad will say something like, uh, "He goes, uh, you know, what the difference is between your music and my music. You can't whistle your music. <laughs> that's 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 what his his things, you know. And, and so." Um, <laughs> That's we great. just we just recently took a road trip to Chicago. Uh, my mm-hmm. grandma passed away a couple uh, last month, and so mm-hmm. my dad, my my parents rode with me and my daughter, and I was uh, flipping radio stations, and Metallica's version of Stone Cold Crazy came on. Oh gosh! And my dad is a huge Queen fan, you know, and so. I uh, I left it on there for just a minute to see if he would look, to see if he would recognize it. it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he said something like, so now we're on to the acid rock portion or something like that. <laughs> and I go, I go, and I flipped the channel and I said, well, I, I thought you might recognize it. Uh, it was uh, uh, Metallica's version of Stone Cold Crazy. And he said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said no it wasn't so it was just like denial like that didn't happen <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome so my my and my dad listened to pretty i mean he listened to Jimi hendrix he listened to uh he wasn't a doors fan but um you know he had some led zeppelin albums and oh, stuff so, so he was a, he was a rocker for, yeah. he would be what we are today right right you know? but there's some you know it's just that generation thing where of course Right, and now like the things that like the things that my son wants to listen to, he thinks old music is anything with a guitar. Isn't that weird? Right. I mean, if it doesn't go whoa, 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 then he's not in. You know what I mean? That's all he wants is something that sounds like a computer is broken. That's what, what he is, wants. What kind of uh, neural processing do you have to get? It, it must be my age, but it, as soon as I hear any synthesizer use a mod wheel. And do that, you know, it just drives me crazy. I'm like, no. And I, 
when we're in the car, I, every now and then I'll I'll play a game like a drum beat will start, and I'll be like, I'll just I'll just ask my wife, so who is this, you know? And and she's like listening. I'm like listen to the guitar, listen to you know, and because bands have that, uh, you know, signature sound. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just can't imagine kids playing that game someday. Like, no. oh yeah, the way that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's definitely Skrillex. Right. That's got to be Skrillex. Only Johnny Depp did that with his synthesizers. Like, I, I thought just that don't. was Stridex. No, that was Skrillex. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, what? you're right. You can't. And and those will be golden oldies one day. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And somebody will be on a commercial for TV with their head shaved and long hair in the back and the front. And <laughs> hey, remember the good old 2020s? <laughs> Remember when your bowels felt like they were coming up your throat? Well, now KTEL has. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Our choice for favorite album from the band. What was your favorite album that you remember from Billy Idol days? Um, Well, you know, like I said, uh, if I had to just like pick a favorite one, it would probably be Vital Idol. Um, Mm. Maybe if I could... You know, if I could put it on CD and I could throw Rebel Yell and uh, maybe Cradle of Love on there or something, that would be like the the perfect album for me. I think my favorite Billy Idol song is probably Rebel Yell. That's why it it pains me to pick Vital Idol because, um, man, to me that song is just like quintessential. It's like '80s rock. You've got you know it starts off with the keyboards. You've got that um, guitar riff uh, that comes in. You know. Um, You've got Billy Idol singing, and then in the chorus, you've got him yelling. Um, you have those those Steve Stevens uh, guitar solos in the middle of the song. I remember, um, I remember watching an interview one time. I was on Headbangers Ball, and they had Steve Stevens. It was when I don't I don't know if he had left Billy Idol, uh, and had start, but he had started um, the Atomic Playboys, which was uh, right I that, that that band. And so they had him on there for that. And they they debuted a song. And he said that he had invented a, uh, I don't know, what, you, what do you call it, like a guitar effects box with a, he called it the machine gun. Well, he, and, he took, you remember the keychain things that you could buy and um, they had the buttons on them where one sounded like, uh, you know, it was like yeah. an 8-bit sound. And then you had yeah. the siren that went, you know. Listen to this. And now, back to Rustin Metal. What he did was he took that thing apart and hooked it up to his um, uh, pickups on the guitar, and then he would, while he was playing, he would do that. He would put oh, that up to the pickups, okay. and that's what made that sound, that yeah, signature because sound. I remember him saying, like, he, he called it, like, his uh, machine gun sound or something like yeah. that. And he, Yeah, uh, he's the first one to do it. I mean, it was... It was a stumble upon, I think. It wasn't really an mm-hmm. invention, but it was a pretty cool thing to do during a guitar solo. No one knew yeah. how to do it. Yeah, you know, you know? just uh, that that song, I, I think, for me is just, uh, I mean, it's got everything in it, you know. And, yeah. and like we talked about on the discography, you know, I was looking through just on the ones that I personally have, have acquired over the years. 
There's Billy Idol's greatest hits. There's that Billy Idol idolize yourself. Yeah, uh, the, the the seven or the uh, Billy Idol songs, eleven of the best. And mm-hmm. then, like I said, Vital Idol. So I don't know why there's so many. And and if you look at the the song lists on them, they are all pretty similar. Yeah, if, it's because well, and they don't seem to be like different versions. It's not like you're getting a special right. cut on any different album. It's just he had so many songs that were in the top ten mm-hmm. in his career during a very. Uh, impacting time for lack of better english but um in the 80s that you know what's going to sell a bunch right. of great, greatest hits by billy idol right you know definitely nobody wants all the the classic tracks from cyberpunk no <laughs> you know? there's not a big call for it yeah well for me it was eyes without a face uh, I've, yeah. I've always loved that song for the simplicity of it the the Keyboard work was very simple. This was something that was recorded in New York with a Lynn drum machine, and Lynn drums were pretty new and awesome. It was uh, programmed drums that were put in there. Bass parts played by a Mr. Steve Weber, and the female parts were sung by Perry Leister, who actually still sings nowadays too, but she's the one who sang, Let you sons be which is Eyes Without a Face in French. Which I had no all. idea what that was. Yeah, until that's, just now. that's that's what that was. <laughs> till now, really. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't either until I looked it up. So there you <laughs> there go. You go. <laughs> but the the thing that I loved most about that song was just the simplicity of it. And it made it all the way to number four in the US and wow. and nineteen eighty-four uh for Billboard mainstream rock tracks. You know, of all time, made number five. So, Billboard's Hot 100. Isn't that made the, number four. Am I thinking of the right song? At the end, it has that kind of rocking part. And then he raps over it. Chop, 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 chop. That little part. Yeah. That's a good song. Steve Stevens' work. Guy is amazing. He really is good. There's a Christmas album that Steve I produced, Mary Axmas, and then Mary Axmas 2. Yep, yep. And I think it's the first one. Uh, I think it's Mary Axmas too. Steve Stevens appeared on it, and he did this amazing rendition of "Do You Hear What I Hear," which is awesome because during that solo that he's playing in there, he does the good old fashioned trick of hooking up that keychain sound effects processor to his amp or to his uh, pickup. And during the "Do You Hear What I Hear," uh, he starts it off with a nice Spanish guitar solo, and then it jumps into this funky, screaming, wah pedaled synthetic guitar sound and it has that bomb and the uh siren noise coming in full strength and oh, this, wow. that that was just nice to hear again and i think that was 2000 i think it was like 2008 when that came out or 2000 no that was around 2003 excuse me uh, that, okay it's a while ago but still it was nice to hear that again you know being produced by him and he did a really good job he is a great soloist I, I think that um, the Steve Stevens, that interview that I saw with him and the Atomic Playboys and all that was the, one of the first times where, I mean, obviously there were bands like Van Halen where you knew all the, the people or, or you know, bands that had a name, it had four people. But usually when there was a band that was just named like uh, like Michael Jackson, okay, so he was a performer and so you didn't, I didn't care who Michael Jackson's drummer was. Right. 
he didn't have a personality to me. It was, you know, it was the background music other than Eddie Van Halen doing the guitar solo and beat it, you know, but other than that, <laughs> I didn't know who any of the guitarists were, or the bass player, what it didn't matter to me, you know? Right. So, so this was, you know, Billy Idol was, to me, it was Billy Idol singing on top of music. I didn't care who those people were. And then all of a sudden this guy comes to the forefront and you're like, Oh, he was doing, you know, all this cool stuff, you know? Yeah. So that was, it was kind of a, a moment for me to, to realize that all those guys were, were talented musicians. You know, they weren't just the backing band for some other guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he had the coolest hair. That's a big hair. He had, he had a, a flock of seagulls, front man hair but in yes. black so you yep. had your choice there which was nice favorite color you know it's funny uh, i saw this um and i i didn't even know at the time that moni moni was a cover song <laughs> yeah I, you know i just and, Me neither. and at the time i did not either right i think as kids you know we just assumed that was a a uh, billy idol song we just took it for that you know uh and he and he does a good job of of making it sound like a bill. It doesn't sound, doesn't jump out at you. Like, uh, you know, Oh, this isn't a Billy Idol song, you know? So, right. um, but, uh, my favorite cover of a, of a Billy Idol song is, uh, from the Donna's who do a great version of dancing with myself, which of course takes up all these different connotations anyway. You know, with, if you know the Donna's, you know, and they're very, uh, uh, very sexual and progressive in the first place, you know? And, and of course they're all, uh, they play, you know, I call it like sloppy rock. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like <laughs> That's it's a good not, way to put it, you know, just, um, just out there banging away on stuff. And so, uh, and, and, uh, I, I don't remember, it's on one of their albums and, and they play it live too, but I remember just listening to one of the albums and hearing that come on and I was like, oh, this is a great fit for them, you know? So, <laughs> and, and there's nothing wonderful about the technical performance or anything like that, but it's just, uh, you know, it just comes off sounding like LaDonna's song, you know? Yeah. So, so I always like that version. Well, I, I like the Blink-182's version of Dancing With Myself. I think they did a good job on that. And they, they actually, it's not much different from Billy's version, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, but it's Blink-182. It sounded pretty good. There's a band called uh, Children of Bottom that mm -hmm. did Rebel Yell. And that one is pretty decent. Um, but for me, it's Billy Idol covering other songs. Um, and in searching for a good choice for covers of Billy Idol songs, I noticed that Billy Idol covers songs like Bang a Gong, T-Rex. His version is amazing. And his version of Van Halen's Jump is, is um, truly, lack of a better word, amazing. Just huh. watching Steve Stevens run amok on a vid, uh, Van Halen solo. <laughs> he did a really good job. There's a couple versions where you could, you know, during it, he's like, I can't compete. But <laughs> there's, there's one particular one, which I will put in the show notes. And uh, I shared with you, uh, he kicks a solo that is 10 times as good as uh, Eddie Van Halen's. No wow. offense to the great Eddie Van Halen, but right. he did a great job on that. And Billy can really sing. He can really hit some high notes too. You know, that was, um, I went through a lot of, uh, his discography over the past couple of weeks, not just the greatest hit stuff. I went through all the greatest hit stuff, but some of the, the newer stuff. And, um, you know, he, ha he has several ballads and that was really something that stuck out, uh, for me at least 
is that he's really a versatile performer. He's not a guy that's a, not a one trick pony. You know what I mean? Uh, right. I mean, obviously, when people um, I mean, there's lots of um, impersonations of Billy Idol. You know, you see it on uh, maybe not as much now as back in the day, but you saw it on Saturday Night Live. Um, I think in Weird Al's video for um, UHF or whatever, he does a Billy Idol impersonation. And and, and it, it always gravitates to basically what you were talking about, the dancing with myself, you know, that look with the uh, just punching into the air and the yeah. sneer and that and the stereotypical Billy Idol. But, but the guy really is talented. You know, he really does. I mean, you get into uh, some of the other work and stuff, and um, and there's a lot more to him than than just uh, the stuff you hear on the radio. Yeah, exactly. And he's got he's got a lot of uh, gusto in him, even at 59, because most of those videos I've seen him performing, even other people's music, were very recent, very mm-hmm. recent. So he's he's still going, and yeah. and he's not cracking either, which most of the rock stars today trying to sound like then. Dude, right, he right, does yeah. Not crack. He's still got it strong. Yeah. So I, I got to mention this, and this is something that I don't know that um, a lot of our listeners would be familiar with. But um, uh, as you know, I, I do um, Sprite Castle, my uh, po- my my podcast about uh, Commodore sixty four games. I grew up, you know, with a Commodore and doing all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I love that show. By the way, there was oh, thanks, man. Throw a there, link out. Throw a link out. Oh, well, just go to uh, SpriteCastle.com, or better yet, go to throwbacknetwork.net, where you can find, as I like to say, your home for quality <laughs> retro podcasts. Yeah. Um, but there was a, a time where, you know, uh, other computers, like uh, the TRS-80, uh, just had a, a speaker that just beeped. That's all it did. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the Apple had an internal speaker that... Uh, it made sound, but I, I didn't think it was great, you know. But the Commodore 64 had these three voices, and you could make music, and you could do these things. And then they found out, you know, I, and I don't know the technical in and outs, but um, but they could digitize music. And so, I mean, it's it's nowhere near the quality of an MP3 or or anything right. like that. Um, but you could digitize these short little snippets. I remember. Uh, calling my dad in and I was like, I've downloaded this. I, it was just called Led Zeppelin and it was uh, uh, about an eight second clip of a Led Zeppelin song and it sounded like scratchy AM radio. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and more importantly, what I remember is it took up about half of a floppy disk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at 300 baud, it had probably taken me two hours to download this thing, you know? And so I bring my dad in and I load it up and run it. And we were amazed. It was actually hearing an audio recording, you know? Uh, but but there was only so much you could do. I mean, literally, you know, it was eight seconds long. Right. So there was one a couple of years later called Flesh for Fantasy. And I did not know that it was a Billy Idol song. I didn't know what it was. It was just, you know, said it was it was digitized music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you know the song Flesh for Fantasy, the remix one, where it starts off with the uh, almost digitized sounding where it has the drum beat, dun-tsh, dun-dun-tsh, and then that guitar lick, and so what they had done was 
not sample it like hitting record, like the eight seconds of that Led Zeppelin thing, but they had sampled the kick drum Mm -hmm. and the snare and that guitar sample. And so they were putting it like they were looping it and playing it over and over and over and then, you know, modifying uh, the the speed and and the length of it, the guitar sample and stuff and playing the drums and and changing you know how they played and so it was it's like the first remix I ever heard you know what I mean yeah, I mean exactly. because they had taken the parts of a song and taken it apart and put it back together to me and then the song I don't know how long. Uh, it plays for about, oh, maybe 20 seconds, and then it has a breakdown kind of part, and then it loops. And right. so it will it will play forever, you know? And, I, of course, when you're a kid, you're like, how is this playing forever? You don't, you don't get it's it. It's mind-blowing, you know? literally, it, yeah. It, it was, you know? And then, um, you know, later on when I, when I got, I think it was when I got Vinyl Idol and heard the Flesh for Fantasy remix, you know, and I'm like, that's where it came from, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was able to, to connect the dots, but just hearing... Uh, you know, that was like the first, like I said, taking digital samples and taking those things apart and putting them in. And I'll never forget that. Like that song, when I hear that, that's what it makes me think of every time. That's know? awesome. What would be the file extension for that type of sound? Oh, they were just programs. I mean, it was a thing that you you loaded up and ran, you know, because the so Commodore the only had files, I guess. But yeah, similar. It's same, uh, okay. comparable. Yeah, but you loaded it up and and you ran it and and um, like I said, it would just loop forever. That's awesome. I'm kind of interested in recording an album like that. Believe <laughs> now that hearing you talk about, because I've never yeah. heard of that before. Well, I you know I'm, uh, they used a lot of. I'll have to see if there's a recording or a way to do it i mean obviously you can play it on a real commodore 64 but they youtube did a lot of i I, we'll we'll have to see because i know they did a lot of sound tricks you know with um uh you know getting the sound chips and things to do things they weren't designed to do yeah and so a lot of times when you try to replicate that in emulators and things like that they don't work right because it was actually using hardware level tricks to do that you know so i I know it's and it's not completely 100 percent related to billy idol but it's definitely that song man like i said every time i hear it you know and it's just um uh it just takes you right back to that that moment you know where where you were hearing something that that you would later hear on a cassette and make that connection but uh uh you know that that remix just that idea of taking apart someone else's song and putting it back together in a different way was, right. was th- th- I had never never seen that before. Well, that would probably be like the birth of uh, simplifying the cu- you know cutting up a wave file and, and turning right. it into the MP3 type of fashion. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely Just d- digital sampling. Yeah. Um, well, let's discuss what's coming up next. I, I see that there's a list here that you made where the word no is in front of it. Well, you know, so so here's the thing. (laughs) We're going through um, alphabetically. We've said that, and we're going through. Mm -hmm. And and so you you have to talk about, like, what the scope of the show is. Like, the first 20 minutes, the scope of the show is my vacation. But but I'm thinking, like, 80s, and like we said, you know, classic metal. So as I'm looking through the the Bs, you know, and and really we're at the Bs right now. I was like, okay, well, we could talk about Black Flag. And I, now, I'd be honest with you, back in the day, I was definitely not 
a black flag. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't find out. I didn't discover black flag until uh, till right. I saw Henry Rollins. Right. Same. You 90s. know, nineties on right. skateboards when I found out about them. Yeah. So I, I can't pretend like I was a huge uh, black flag fan back as a kid. I wasn't. Um, the Black Label Society, I love, you know, Zach Wild, but, you know, it's not, uh, it's not classic 80s. Yeah, and I'm not uh, a fan of, of I, I like Zach Wild's uh, yeah. White Christmas song, and that's it. I'm not a yeah. fan of <laughs> uh, And then I, I was like, well, Blondie, I know that they talk about her being like part of the punk movement and stuff like that, but it's not really, it's not metal. But she's you know? so cute. Yeah, so I, ru- <laughs> no, <go ahead. laughs> I, so I ruled those out. Obviously, yeah. Uh, and so then I had like a list of possible ones, you know. Right. Uh, and so I had come up with um, Body Count. Now that Ice is <laughs> it's Ice T's metal band. Now I think that's probably ninety ninety one, you know. So that yeah. might be pushing our time frame or whatever. I love, I love the first Body Count album. I mean, I gotta it, admit, I was very impressed. I didn't I would, have it. I, I didn't yeah. own it, so I I would oh, be really? interested in in. Learning about the show as a host and a guest with you. Yeah. So <laughs> I, you I, I was that. a I was a big fan of that the the whole controversy. Remember with uh, Cop Killer? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Song on there, you know, and there big was deal. the uh, uh, I had the Ice T album uh, OG original Gangster, which was an Ice T album, right. and and then uh, the Body Count song was on that, and oh, he wow. introduced it and said. You know, hey, this is going to be on my new metal album or whatever, and and so I I was uh, power. I had power. I oh yeah, power album, my favorite album. Grew up on that. I yeah, I was I was big Ice <laughs> Ice T fan. I was big at it. We could do an eighties rap podcast too, but uh, <laughs> oh, never no, never the two, never Lucky the two show me. coming up. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's the show. Um, then, um, so who else did I have? I had Bullet Boys mm-hmm. as a possibility. Bullet Boys is a is a great classic eighties uh, metal band. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Bullet Boys is I think they only have three albums, and one of them is like like a almost a reunion get back together type album. They really only had two albums back then. And, uh, you know, I just don't know how much we'd have to talk about the Bullet Boys, to be honest I, with you. I only had the cassette for about a week, and I gave it back to my brother, and I told him I really wasn't interested. <laughs> you know, Smooth Up In Ya, I thought it was a great song they did, yeah. um, For the Love of Money, uh, that mm-hmm. cover song, and um, uh, they may have had one or two other videos, but, uh, uh, I mean, and, and the dude, I mean, they were a good band, they're just... I don't know. There's not that much to talk about with them. And then and then I ran out of bees and I got to Cinderella. And Cinderella is definitely we're going to do that the Good. the discussion is not whether or not we're going to cover Cinderella. The discussion is if we're going to cover anybody before we get to Cinderella. <laughs> well, we'll put the, we'll put Cinderella on that burner in the back left corner. Okay. And uh keep them warm because yeah, I I did have the Cinderella album and uh I had a, a lot of girlfriends through the Cinderella album. That, yes, yes. So yeah, Cinderella album is very important. Cinderella's um, the was uh, the headliner of the first concert I ever went to. Oh really? And, you know who opened for him? Bullet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and you know who opened for them? You ready for this? Winger. Don't say. Don't say. Winger. Really? Yep. I have. I have a closet. I am a closet Winger fan. You know, the, the dude is super talented, and it was just. Um, Whatever bad reputation he may have had 
uh, Beavis and Butthead just sealed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After I the, thought he was a great writer. He's a he's a bit of an overacting kook, mm-hmm. and uh, but the guitarist was great. Uh, I forget his now name now, but uh, um, was it Reb? Reb Beach? Is it Reb Beach or was that with? Uh... I can't remember. Yeah, it is Reb Beach. It's that's um, right. Uh, yep, he uh, as waiter. if I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He uh, played with White Snake, and he played with Alice Cooper. Oh man! Yep. So I used to uh, loop his guitar solos because I always wanted a finger tap like that. That oh, was yeah. amazing. But, that uh, was amazing. But yeah, but, so uh, it was uh, Winger, Winger, Bullet Boys, and Cinderella. That's a heck uh, of a was, show. Was my very first concert. I was fifteen. Well, speaking of the letter B, yes, uh, names that I put, which I know we're not going to cover, but it, there would be no Cinderella without Bon Jovi. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but I don't want to cover Bon Jovi because strictly, I can't say I don't like Bon Jovi. I am sick of hearing Bon Jovi. Yeah. Uh, I, bon Jovi has gotten on my nerves, especially in Pandora, when I'm trying to listen to summer 80s rock and every single other song is, you know... There was a band called Bad for Good, but it was like a one record. I don't know them. Bad for Good were the four kids that Steve I came across and taught that one kid to play exactly like him. Oh. And they were really bad. The the lead singer was the guy from Terminator Two with the red hair. Or no, Terminator Yeah, Terminator Two. He he was the kid with the red hair that was Danny, you know, somebody or something, yeah, yeah. That's the lead singer for Bad for Good, really. Uh, and yeah, and the band was really good. And I don't know what happened to him, huh. but it fell apart. But it was a Steve Vai production. It was like mini Steve Vai's. All right. And then uh, Black and Blue, which I didn't know much about, but they began with B, so I put them on the list. <laughs> Same with Blue Murder. And yeah, I remember Blue Murder just like, um, oh god. The best way to put them is they were a TNT fuse that went out before the bomb went off. He was like, (laughs) that's the best way to define them. Um, And then Brittany Fox, which is like. I love Brittany Fox. Did you? At the girls' school. That's a great video. (laughs) I love that that video. My baby broke all the rules. (laughs) That is a great song. But. that video is the extent of my Britney Fox knowledge. Yeah, the same here. That that to me was uh, again that fuse again. But now you got to put pantyhose on it. <laughs> I I this is you know um, uh, if you ever <laughs> to make an analogy here. Okay. If you ever uh, talk to hair metal bands, and I'm just going to randomly pick one like uh, Dokken. Okay? okay. And then when you when you see interviews with those guys. Uh, they will say, oh, yeah, we saw the hair metal thing going on around us. Now, we weren't hair metal, but mm. everybody else was hair metal. You know, I specifically saw an interview with um, Crocus, who said that exact thing. Yeah. Def Leppard doesn't think they were hair metal. Bon Jovi does not think he was hair metal. You know what I mean? So Anybody all- who touched a can of Aquanet. Was right. Hair metal. So all these bands 
think that they were the ones that weren't. You know what I mean? Like we <laughs> exactly. were true rockers. We were just doing it, you know, to sell albums. But everybody, those, all those other people, they were hair metal. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to associate with it. So anyway, I mean, when I see Britney Fox, I would just say, eh, they're a Cinderella clone. Now, my guess is they don't think of themselves as being that way. I'm sure they're very talented musicians uh, and, you know, they probably did a lot of stuff. But to me, that's what they just look like, a Cinderella exactly. clone. <laughs> you know what? Here's the deal. If, when we do Cinderella, we will have an honorary mention. We will talk about Britney Fox doing Okay, that school. sounds fair. <laughs> we'll throw them in there. Well, you know what? I think, uh, obviously, the choice is, is very obvious. We're going to have to do body count. All right. Well, that sounds great. <laughs> it sounds like the next episode will definitely be body right. count. I'm going to be a spectator uh, with some input of my reaction now, because, I, unfortunately, I did not have the album. Okay. Uh, but I do remember Cop Killer. I do remember him being on Arsenio Hall during an interview with that mm-hmm. particular song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Arsenio was the only one that got a really good interview out of him. Yeah, from that situation. Yep. From what I remember, I could be wrong. And uh, yeah, so I'm very interested. So Body Count will be in our next show, definitely. All right, that sounds good. Time to go. So yeah, now I know that, um, did you have some music for the end of the show this time? I sure do, as a matter of fact. Um, is it Body I'm Count? Gonna, it is. It's actually a, uh, <laughs> it's a mathematical piece I wrote myself about uh, human no, it's a song called <laughs> Sledding that I did for the Zerbatron Winter Memories album, which uh, uh, a good friend of mine who actually is is the uh, owner of the Blogspot site uh, Synthetics FM told me you're getting a little heavy there, Zerb, <laughs> because I sent him copies of this for the Synthetics FM site to play some of the music, and uh, I said, "Yeah, I guess I am." And uh, so that's my choice tonight. I'm going to play "Sledding" from the Zerbatron Winter Memories album. And again, you can get this album completely free from Zerbatron.bandcamp.com. Um, you can find my buddy Rob Flack O'Hara at RobO'Hara.com. Correct. I was just yeah. I was just thinking. As diametrically opposed as two songs could be is sledding yeah. and cop killer. <laughs> was like That's the, very true. The two sentences, like one is about the greatest, <laughs> like there's no time when you're a kid in winter when you're more happy than getting a piece of plastic and going down uh, a, a snowy hill and that feeling you get in your stomach, and it's just so enjoyable. And the other one is about shooting police officers in the face. <laughs> There's a little like, contrast there. This is as far as you can get. There's a little happy medium that involves snowballs and just getting a cop really pissed off. <laughs> and that's about it. That is the North Pole and the South Pole of musical topics. <laughs> So I'll go ahead and close the show out with that song. And, and Flack, thank you so much for joining me in this f- beautiful rendition of memoirs of the greatest time in history, which was 80s metal. Sweet. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, getting body count in the house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I see. All right, brother. So talk to you guys soon. Everybody enjoy some good old-fashioned Billy Idol when you get the chance.
All Observinator's music and podcasts are under the Creative Commons license, which allows retelling and rebroadcasting as long as the author is notified and credited. For more great escape pods, please visit www.zervinator.wordpress.com. If you would like to contact Zervinatorland, you can send an email to instrumentally at gmail.com or give us a call at 571-408-ZERB or 9372.